right, we're going to uh, go into our next session right now. We call it four on ten because I have four beautiful women that are going to speak to you in ten-minute intervals. All right, each are going to share with us ten minutes on BU. I'm going to call up uh, to the front uh, Dina Smelter, Pastor Dina Smelter. Pastor Dina is from Vista. We have Raylissa Harvey that's going to fill in the seat right next to her. She's from Spectrum Church. Pastor Mary Wright from Powerhouse Church in San Diego. And then finally we have Miss Jasmine Darnell from right here at Spectrum. All right, as I called their names out, that's the order that we're going to go through. We have a nice timer in the back that will give each lady ten minutes to share the good news of the gospel to us about what God's saying to them about be you. Sit back and relax. When um, Pastor Kimberly, man, you are the coolest pastor grandma woman I know. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm telling you the truth. And nobody sports a t-shirt like you do. I mean, no, I'm really, I'm just, I'm humbled. And when she invited me to come again, I was like, she invited me the first time, and that's always, you know, good. But when they invite you back. (laughs) But thank you. I'm so humbled by the privilege. So when she invited me and said, it's about be you, I was like, Lord, is this some kind of joke? (laughs) Because I I never liked who I was, if you understand what I'm saying. But the cool thing is, is did you ever wonder what happened? Like, what happened? That, and that, that phrase came up in my heart so many times over the years. What happened? This is not how God planned this. But see, God did have a plan. And what happened was, his plan, the man and woman that he created, fell. And they went into hiding. Because when they fell, shame came. So they had to hide. They were hiding. They were hiding from God because they were filled with shame. Because before they fell, there was no shame. I mean, they literally, it says they were naked and unashamed in Genesis. You remember that. You all know this. But, but they fell, and, and the result of that was shame. So immediately they went into hiding. They went into hiding, and what did they do? They took fig leaves. Fig leaves. Now, I teach a, I teach a, a message called, Who Needs Fig Leaves? Because honestly, who needs fig leaves? None of us need fig leaves. Fig leaves, for them, they sewed the fig leaves together, and they made themselves aprons. Well, aprons literally means armor. So they make themselves armor to protect themselves. They went into self-protect mode, self-preservation mode, self-identity mode. They had everything they needed. They were created in the image and likeness of God, and the enemy lied to them. He lied to them. Did God really say? Are you really like God? You know what? He did the same thing to Jesus. Jesus baptized with the Holy Ghost. Here's the words. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Holy Spirit leads him to the wilderness. And the devil says, if you are the son of God... He does the same thing to us. If you are God's daughter, if you really are called of God, if you think you can 
And what does God say? God says, who said that? Who said that? He says, be you. 2 Corinthians 5.17. You probably all know this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The original language says he is a new creation. Let him be. Let her be. Let her be that new creation that she is. We've been born from above, born in the image and likeness of God. We have a new nature on the inside of us. I was asking myself what happened because I gave myself, I gave my heart to the Lord, but I didn't give it to him as Lord. I acknowledged him as Savior, but I hadn't acknowledged him as Lord. I was still being Lord. My emotions were calling the shots. Anybody been there? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Just keep looking straight ahead. <laughs> but my emotions were calling the shots. They were Lord, and it really wasn't until I bowed my knee and said, "Yes, Lord, you direct my life. I am making a mess of it." See, and it's called the works of the flesh. Galatians tells us, "Walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh." And then it lists the lust of the flesh. Those are the things we use to hide. Shame causes everyone to hide. You all, I think, know Mark and Trina Hankins, Pastor Mark and Trina Hankins in this church. And he preaches an awesome message. Do you know every addiction goes back to shame? Every addiction goes back to shame because we're covering. When we sense shame, we want to hide. But see, Jesus despised the shame. Jesus became our sin so that we were free from shame. We no longer have to bow our knee from shame. We no longer have to hide from God. Because ultimately, that's who we're hiding from. But he says in his word, come with open face. Come with open face. That means you don't have to hide anything from God. He made you a beautiful new creation filled with his life on the inside. So you can stand up, hold your head up high, and know who God's created to be. Some of you are probably just discovering who he's created you to be. But it's a wonderful journey as you keep pressing in. Because as you look at him, you begin to reflect him. You look at him. You know why people are mean and angry? Because they think God is mean and angry. That's what they've been looking at. So you want to reflect God's nature, God's character, then you get into the word and you look at him, beholding with open face his image so that you can reflect that image back to him. I want to read you a scripture. It's out of the voice. No, not the voice. The mirror translation. I didn't know, honestly, what I was going to share at all. So I came prepared and brought all these books. Now, if I can find it, the mirror translation. It's Colossians chapter three. It says, pursue with diligence the consequence of your co-union in Christ, your union in Christ. Relocate yourself mentally. His resurrection co-raised you to the same position of authority, seated in the strength of God's right hand. Becoming affectionately acquainted with throne room thoughts will keep you from being distracted again by the earthly soul realm. 
Your union with his death broke the association with that world. The secret of your life now is the fact that you are wrapped up in Christ. You are wrapped up in Christ, in God. Every time Christ is revealed as our life, we are being co-revealed in the same glory. Likeness and image of God. See, that's what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. The reason they sent shame is because they were stripped of the glory God had given them. Psalm 8 says, What is man that thou art mindful of him that has crowned him with glory and honor and made him a little lower than Elohim? Elohim is God. So David is saying, you made man a little lower than yourself, God. Crowned him with glory and honor. And they, in fact, were crowned with glory and honor. But when the devil came, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they were stripped of that glory. But Jesus came back to give us the glory back. So now we walk in the glory of God. Glory of God. The dignity of God. The grace of God. You know, the opposite of grace is disgrace. And disgrace is shame. But Jesus came to give us his grace to replace the shame. Amen. I'm going to read one couple more verses. This is Colossians 3, verse 11. The revelation of Christ in everyone gives identity to the individual beyond anything he could ever be. As a Greek or a Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, foreigner, savage, slave or free, from now on, Everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is in union with Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. I'm going to use the same scripture so you can actually just leave it. Um, So when Pastor Kim really had asked me to share, she said, the topic is be you. And immediately, I'm going to be honest, I said, told Candace, I said, Candace, that's kind of crazy, right? Like, because if I'm going to be me, that's bad. That's just, just, I'm just being, I'm being real. Be me, be you. My, my head starts to go to different places. I said, you know what? She said, no, but just, you know, Candace is like, encourage me. Just turn it around. Do it this way. Talk about the kingdom. I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. So when I put it in the aspect of in the kingdom realm, I said, be you. My mind immediately goes to identity. The word identity and who I am in Christ, who I'm supposed to be. And I thought of 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What does that mean? When you become a new creation in Christ, you're dying to yourself. You're dying to your old self, to your past, to the burdens, to your weaknesses, to everything that's in, in the past, that's your old self, and you become a new creation. And so I was like, okay, thought of when I first, when I first got saved, how was I? I don't know if anybody can relate, but when I know when I first got saved, I was like, yes, Jesus, Jesus, like at the trolley station, outreaching with my old church, Jesus saves, you know, in the yelling into the little megaphone thing, like I was just so hyped up and fired up for God, and you know, trying to shove Jesus down people's throat, and that's just it's not the way it's really supposed to be. But I was doing it, and I was so on fire for God, and I was, you know, then things, you know, things change, and things start to happen. And so I said, all right, I'm dying to myself. That means I'm reborn. I got a new identity. Isn't that amazing that when we, when we come to Christ, we get a new identity? 
We don't have to carry what we used to do. We don't have to carry and do the things and claim the labels that people put on us. You're stupid. You're unworthy. You're this. You're that. We don't have to carry that. That's, that's the grace of God. That's, how, that's, how, that's God right there. He says, you're a new creation. You don't have to. I, I'm carrying that now. I died for that. You have a fresh life. You get a chance to run the path that God set out before you. He's called you. And I know he's called you because you're here today. You wouldn't be here. You didn't get here by mistake. You got here. Maybe somebody invited you. Well, guess what? You're meant to be here because God has a calling on your life. All of us have a calling on our life. And I believe that what God does is that he calls us, he appoints us, and then he anoints us. So he calls us, we have the calling, we're here, you know, we're getting connected in church, we're, we're building community. And then he appoints us, he starts sending us out on assignments. We all have an assignment that God has put us on. But that's up to you to obviously walk that out, run that out, do what you got to do. And when he appoints you, he anoints you, meaning he empowers you to fulfill that calling. He empowers you to do what he's called you to do. But that requires you to be you. You can't be anybody else. I got a different calling than her. She, she has a different calling than her. We all got something different that we have on our lives that we're supposed to do. So, it's kind of a little quick story. Not to, not to um, you know, bash the last church that I went to, but I remember I was going there for about a year, and I, I asked God, I said, God, is, is there more? I asked that question, is there more? In that church, they, um, they believed that women just clean and um, serving children. And so kind of got bored. So I came in, fired up, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, is this it? Come, come on, God, there's got to be more. I said, Lord, I want to preach. Lord, I want to teach. And it's crazy. I'm, I'm here now. This is four or five years later. I'm, I'm here. But I said that. I said, God, I want to preach. I want to teach. I don't want to just, just teach. I mean, I, I teach the children here too. But I, I don't want to just teach the children and, and scrape gums off the bottom of the chairs. Lord, God bless the people that do it. But I said, I feel like I have an anointing over my life. And I feel like God, when I was studying and I was, pray, and I was praying over this day, I felt God say, all my daughters, all my women of God have an anointing on their life. And some of them just don't understand it. Some of them just don't see it. But I need you to tell them and remind them that I have a calling on their life. And I'm not done with them yet. I have more for them. He equips us. He equips us. So he, he appoints us. He anoints us and he equips us. So anything that God is telling you to do, he's going to give you everything. He's going to put everything in the path that you need to complete that assignment. He's giving you everything. It's right in front of you. Sometimes we just don't see it. I catch myself sometimes complaining about, oh, this. God, how am I going to do that? And he's like, look, look to your left, look to your right. I put people in your path to do that. You got you to gotta reach out. You got you know, to talk to people. You got to be in community with people. God, God calls us to be ourselves. He calls us to all play different roles. Um, whether you think your assignment or your calling is small and, oh, well, I only um, set up chairs in the church. Hey, that's a calling. <laughs> You're anointed to set up chairs. Praise God for the people that can set up a straight chair because I sure can't. <laughs> you might, I'm being serious. People say, well, I don't do anything big. I don't, I don't, I don't never get chosen to speak. 
That's because that's not on, that's not your calling. God has a calling for you. Walk in that. You know, praise what, you, what you're doing. Most of us, the thing is that most of us know what God is asking us to do. But we let fear, we let insecurities, we let our past tell us, no, nah, that's not what you're supposed to do. That's not what you're supposed to walk in. We let the enemy tell us that. But we have to get to a point in our walk with God where we have to overcome that. We have to press on. We have to push through and move on to where God is calling us to be. It's going to be hard. You're going to feel like you're dragging. you got chains on you. But guess what? Drag those chains and go with them. Keep going. Bring them with you. Bring them with you. You know, you know what I'm saying? You gotta, sometimes you just got to keep walking with them. The enemy's going to try and try and stop you. He's going to try to stop you. He's going to try to stop, from, stop you from getting where God wants you to be, from, get, from being who God wants you to be. But the truth is, when God puts something in you, nothing in this world can take that from you. God already chose you. It says that in John 15, 16. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Thank God he chose me. I was out there being crazy. And he said, I still want you. I'm sure we all have stories. We didn't, you know, we're not all perfect. But he chose us. When I, when I was, um, last night, got home pretty late, but I was praying for today and I said, God, what is, what is a word that you've been wanting to tell your, your daughters? What is a word that somebody needs to really hear? And I wrote it down. And um, let me find it real quick. Sorry. Um, it says, I wrote down, you have such a significant anointing and calling on your life that all of hell has conspired to take you out. All of hell has conspired to take you out. That's how deep, that's how big the anointing on your life is. That hell is trying to fight and bring everything against you. But God says, you're chosen. You're royal. You're my daughter. You're more precious than rubies. He says, anything and everything that tries to come against you, I still got you. I'm still here. And hell can simply not allow you to live out your full potential or walk out your destiny because he knows that you'll do damage to their dark kingdom. He knows you're going to go out there and save souls. He knows you're going to go out there and break chains and you're going to pray for people and you're going to pray for healing for people and you're going to meet people that need to come to the kingdom. And, and all of hell is like, no, that's not what's happening. And so it's gonna, the attacks are going to keep coming. The attacks are going to keep coming after you. And what do you do? You, keep, you just keep praising God. You keep staying and rooted in that word. And you be you. You be you. Stay strong. Be bold. I like what Pastor Kimberly said earlier. Be bold. Be loud. People always tell me to shut up. I'm like, no. <laughs> You're too loud. I don't care. Praise the Lord. Be you. Be you. I really, I really believe that God has a a calling on each and every one of our lives. And all of us are anointed in different areas. So I just encourage you guys to walk in that. Walk in that. If you don't know what it is, keep walking. You're going to get there. God's going to show you. Amen? Amen. Good afternoon. <laughs> it's great to be here. 
I've, uh, I don't know how many of these meetings I've been to, but every time I come, I'm just so blessed. And I just appreciate the relationship I have with Pastor Kimberly. And I just know that um, it's God. It's God. Um, when Pastor Kimberly first called me and, um, oh, this time goes fast. Um, <laughs> oh, my. Um, I better make this quick. But when she first called me, it was like my mind just went blank. And I'm like, she said, speak on be you. Um, what is that all about? <laughs> I mean, it was, um, anyway, but after I got over the initial shock and, and actually started praying and asking God what, what he would have me to say, he gave me a lot to say. I'm telling you, I have revised this, uh, I don't know, about five times. And I think it's probably still too long, so let me get started. Um, it, <laughs> um, you will never be, um, excuse me, you will never meet another me. I will never meet another you. We're all unique, all designed by God, right? And, you know, it's just amazing to me when you think of all the billions of people in the world, past, current, future, there's never going to be another you. So be you. I'm going to talk um, briefly about the necessary process to be you. And I place emphasis on the word process because this is a continual journey, okay? It's a pro- I'm going to read this because I'm not going to get through this. It's a process of learning and implementation, learning who God created you to be, and how to implement the knowledge into your life. And I'm going to skip that. Um, when... Um, you look into God's word, what do you see? Do you see God's image of you? As we look into his word, we can make adjustments, okay? We can change into his image if we don't forget what we see. Before we look into the word of God, We may see ourselves as incomplete, but how does God see us? God sees us as mighty through Jesus Christ. He sees us as righteous, complete in him. Sure, we have our weaknesses and our strengths, but as we learn to see ourselves as God sees us, we can be continually empowered to be who he created us to be. I want to talk briefly about three keys to the process to be you. And these are all single word uh, keys. The first one, key number one is learn. Learn who you are. To learn, we must be intentional, which means your seeking and learning 
must be done on purpose, deliberate, planned. One way you can learn to be you is through prayer. Pray for wisdom. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Wisdom is the process of discernment in which choices are weighed and alternatives judged. For us as believers, our choices must be made in accordance with, with God's purpose and his desires for us. Not based on our emotions or politics or popular culture, but on the truth and the wisdom of God. We can also pray for understanding and knowledge. Pray to know who God is and who we are and how we can use the gifts and talents that he has given us more effectively. Another important way we can learn to be you is from the word of God. Through study and meditation on the word, we can receive revelation and deep insight into who God sees us. There used to be a saying a long time ago that um, it's your thing, do what you want to do. Um, well, in today's culture, philosophy, <laughs> I'm probably dating myself with that anyway. Um, but um, today's philosophy is there are no absolutes. If it feels good to you, then it's right for you. But that's not, that's not us. When I say be you, I am talking about building our lives on the eternal word of God as our foundation. We do what God wants us to do. The Bible is the final authority. Know and meditate on scriptures such as Psalms 139, 13, 14, which declares we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Of course, as has been said already, the first step is to come to a place of accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and to know what he did for you on the cross and through his resurrection. Know that when you're born again, you become a new creation in Christ. Otherwise, you will never be able to reach a place of establishing, confirming, and being grounded in who you are and fully knowing your God-given purpose in life. We learn from studying the scriptures that the word of God must be foundation for our lives. So key number one is learn. Learn who you are through prayer and God's word. Key number two is grow. This is a process. In order to grow, we must be diligent to put into practice the good things we learn. That means when we look into God's word, we must be committed to be a doer of the word. We must engage in scripture. By that, I mean we both participate and cooperate. That's required on our part. This process to be you takes time. Therefore, we must be patient with ourselves. And I'm really working on that. Um, that means, I'm sorry, I lost my place. 
went down too far. Um, okay, here we go. Um, it also takes a desire to be you, the real you. Sometimes there are growing pains and we face challenges. It works, it, it's work, so determination is necessary. We must discipline our minds and guard what we say. Second Corinthians 10.5, we are told to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. As we are growing, we have the help of the Holy Spirit. He will lead and guide us as we obey his voice. We can depend on God to show us in his word, by his Holy Spirit, who we are. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth and our ever-present help. So, I'm skipping some things. Um, so... Key number two is grow. Key number one was learn. Key number two is grow by being a doer of the word. Key number three is become. We hear the term um, such as be all that you can be. We must be all that we can be in Christ. We can move confidently into being the whole person God intends us to be. That involves knowing, accepting, and embracing who we are in Christ, it means acknowledging and owning God's power in us. Listen, this is, this is a word for ladies. Don't compare yourself to others. I think we have more of a challenge with that than the male counterpart. But the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, he who compares himself to others is not what is not wise. Accept and be content to be you. Love yourself. The word commands us to love others as we love ourselves. And my time's up. Okay, so, so, the three keys, learn, grow, become, and I'm going to skip to my conclusion. There can be satisfaction and fulfillment as we use these three keys, learn, grow, become. You can be content to be you at any stage or season in life. Don't allow our, our culture to define who you are. Don't focus on the messages from Hollywood, TV shows, movies, uh, secular music, uh, secular self-help books. But don't let them tell you who you are. Allow God's word and the working of his Holy Spirit in your life to define who you are. Romans 2.12 instructs us that we are not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds to prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. As children of God, we live our lives in the light of the truth of his word. I encourage you to be you because your sphere of influence needs you to be you. Your family needs you to be who 
God created you to be. Your friends need you to be who God created you to be. The world needs you to be who God created you to be. Most importantly, God needs you. He, he only made one of you. He needs you to be you so that you reach your destiny, destiny and fulfill the purpose and the plan that he has for your life. I'm going to close with this prayer. This is my prayer for you. Hebrews 13, 20, 21. Now by the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to him be glory, honor, forever. Amen. Good afternoon. So I am relieved that I'm not the only one who struggled with the concept of BU, if I'm being honest. So over the course of my life, I've been many people. I mean, you could ask my, don't ask my sister. I'll, you know, don't, she'll, she'll tell you, don't ask her. Um, but understanding this concept of BU and what does that mean, right? So I work in education and training, and I talk to a lot of people all of the time about what they want to do with their lives, their pursuit of goals and career and college and so on and so forth. And one theme that has emerged, a lot of people have no idea what they want in life. Now, as a caveat to that, everyone knows exactly what they do not want. I mean, I hear, I don't want a micromanaging boss. I don't want to work overtime. Like, I, all the time, what I don't want, I don't want, I don't want. Even food. I don't want any of those lunch options that you just listed, but I can't offer you a suggestion either because I just don't know what I want. That might just be me, but um, it's hard to make decisions, right? So I started asking probing questions like, if you can do absolutely anything in the world, there's no restrictions, what would you do, right? Questions like, what would you forget to eat for? You're so caught up in what you're doing that you're like, oh, wow, I forgot to eat, right? Don't forget to feed your kids, but, you know, you, you, you forgot to eat. Um, when we begin to focus on who instead of what, we see a change, right? Who do I want to be versus what do I want to be? We're asked that question, I mean, as early as I can remember. My daughter's two, and she's already getting, you know, do you want to be a ballerina, you know, when she wears her little tutu? Or do you want to be a doctor when you grow up, when she wears her little Doc McStuffins, you know, stethoscope? So we're always asked, what do you want to be, what do you want to be, but never really who, you know, do you want to be, right? And so I kind of want to share a quick story with you. Um, when I was 21 years old, I, I dropped out of college. Well, they kicked me out, but that's a, that's a, that's a story for, for another time. Um, I uh, was very indecisive, had no idea what I wanted to do in life, right? Um, a lot of bad decision-making, um, but again, stories for another time. Um, 
I became a believer at age 23. And at that moment, just like Relisha had said, you're on fire. I was on fire. Everything was just like, like you literally feel like an, a, a warming sensation inside of you when you're rubbed up, right? I heard a poem. And in this poem, the, the poet, her name is Genetics, and she mentioned these characteristics and attributes of these women in the Bible. And so she said, um, you will know me uh, and you will find me where the boldness of Esther meets the warm closeness of Ruth, where the hospitality of Lydia is aligned with the submission of Mary, which is engulfed in the tears of a praying Hannah. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, I don't want to be a poet, but I understand the who. Not maybe the what profession, but the who, the characteristics, the values, the attributes that I want to show up when I show up. And so I developed this purpose for me of eliminating barriers of advancement for others, right? Particularly underrepresented populations. How can I help you move all this stuff and junk out of the way to get to who you're supposed to be? So we started asking different questions. And remember, I got kicked out of college, but it took six years, but within those six years, after re-enrolling back into school, I now have four degrees because I realized what exactly it was that I wanted to do. And so I want to share this story with you about my dear friend. Her name is Evelyn. I met Evelyn at a time when I worked uh, for a university, and my job was to help students answer their questions about going back to school, getting enrolled into college. Evelyn uh, was recently widowed, 53, grandma. She worked as a library aide for a really long time. And because she was recently widowed, she said, I need a different job that's going to help pay a little bit more. So someone told me I'd be a good fit for human resources, so I'd like to get a degree in human resources. And I said, Evelyn, I don't think human resources is the right fit for you. So her and I had weekly conversations over the course of a couple months. Like, we became really good friends over the phone. And we talked about values and passion, and we, we talked about all of these things. And it, it was like just talking to a friend. It wasn't talking to a prospective student that I needed to enroll to hit my numbers for the week. And I mentioned to her about that poem, and I said, I'm going to share this poem with a group of teens. I'm really excited. And she said, well, can you share it with me? And I said, well, this is an eight-minute poem. And she's like, yeah, go for it. And I said, okay. So I share this poem with her, and we get to the part that I mentioned to you, and she's like, that's it. I've always felt this calling to serve. Like, I want to serve. I've always wanted to serve my community, maybe as a politician, but I have no experience in that, no background. I have no idea how to do a campaign or, or, or anything. But it's kind of been this desire in my heart. I said, Evelyn, let's go for it. Let's do it. So we enrolled her into a public administration program. By the time she finished her program, she had been elected as a councilwoman for her community. Fast forward a few years later, she threw her hat in the ring for mayor. So I share that to, to say with you, when we focus on the who we want to be, the what kind of falls into place, right? The profession of it, it, it falls into place after we understand those values and those attributes. And then also, I want to key in on the desires of our heart, right? When we're operating in the will of God, the desires of our heart are his desires, right? Those things he puts on our heart, right? Our passions, things that we're interested in, so on and so forth. 
I want to share another story with you. There's this, there's this guy, this is early 1900s, uh, 1900s. There's this guy, he, he likes to ride a bicycle on a tightrope, right? So he uh, takes the rubber part off of his tire, he climbs up the ladder, places his bike on the tightrope to bike across. A huge audience on the ground watching, kind of like in disbelief. There's no way he's going to be able to ride that bike across this rope. So he gets on, and he's going, and he's tracking. And, you know, a tight rope kind of has that dip in the middle. So he gets there, and everyone's kind of like, oh, what's going to happen? You know, is he going to make it? Is he going to fall? It's kind of in anticipation. So he, he makes it all the way across. Well, now he has to turn around and come back. So he turns around. He comes back. Same thing. He gets to that middle point, and everyone's like, oh, is he going to make it? What's going to happen? So he makes it all the way across, and the crowd goes wild, right? They're clapping, and they go bananas. Now he says, does, anyone, does everyone believe that I can do this? And they say, of course. We just, we just saw you do it. We know you can do it. Who would like to get in the basket on my bike and go across with me? Nope. Not I. Nope. No volunteers. Little child. I'll go. Everybody, no, 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 no. You can't, you can't go. Like, no. He's like, I'll go. So the guy picks the little kid up, puts him in his basket, climbs up the ladder to go across, gets on, and everyone, no one is making a peep, right? Everyone, there's no clapping, there's no cheering. Everyone's just like, I hope the kid will make it, right? Forget about the guy, I hope the kid will make it. So he's, same thing, on his bike, going across, right? Gets to the middle, makes it across. You hear this huge sigh of relief, like, okay. Turns around, comes back, gets the dip, makes it, makes it to the other side. The crowd goes wild. They come down. They go directly to the kid. Why? Why did you volunteer? Why did you get in the basket? It's like, well, that's my dad. I knew he could do it, right? So here you have, you have the difference of trust and belief. Everyone believed that he could do it. They saw him do it. They believed, yeah, I know you can do it. But do I trust you with me to do it? And that's where the difference came. The little boy trusted and he believed. So when we have this desire placed on our heart, we might believe that God is capable of having it happen for us, but do we trust him with us to say, okay, I will now step out in faith, take action, right, to allow you to hold me across to make it happen. And that's where the disconnect lies, right? A lot of people, oh, I believe that can happen maybe one day when I find the time, right? But when we're talking about what do you want to do with your life, how are you going to find out what that next step is for you? Well, it's listening, right? It's listening to those desires that have been placed upon your heart to step into that. And so I just wanted to leave you with understanding um, of understanding these, these moments of accomplishment. Now, all of you have more than likely gone through a time in your life where you're like, I'm going to take that little step, like that little step of faith and kind of see what happens. Like Pastor Kimberly was talking about increments, right, of being in the water. And when you do that and you realize, okay, I can be here. I got this. I can do it. What I want you to realize is the confidence that you gain when you're in that space is confidence that God has already instilled inside of you, right? And so what I encourage you to do today is talk to another person in this room and say, sharing your story about a moment in your life where you 
stepped up and the result that you gained from it. Encourage another lady today. You got this. Congratulations. You did that, right? And see how much further, when we're connected, we can go in stepping, operating, and walking in our calling, our purpose, because those are the things that God has planted upon our hearts. So, thank you. Thank you, ladies. Oh, my goodness, was that great? Come on, you can clap bigger. We can clap bigger. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, one thing uh, that I say often, and I just, I just believe it so hard, wholeheartedly, is that each one of us are carriers, that we have a supply of the Spirit that God has given and placed on the inside of each one of us. And, uh, you know, as uh, the ladies here uh, all are, were so different, but wow, each so impactful, each flowing in the grace that's on their life and the supply that's in them. So thank you, ladies. My goodness, that just blessed me so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome.